0: Welcome to The Emily Osmond Show, your place to learn how to market yourself online, find your tribe, and grow a business doing the work you love on your terms. As a blogger, presenter, and marketing mentor, I understand the ups and downs that come with putting ourselves out there and running our own show. This podcast is here to take you behind the scenes and share the strategies to help you succeed. So let's get into the show. Welcome back to the show, and I'm so excited to introduce you to today's guest, who is the one and only Tina Tower. Tina started her first business at age 20 and turned it over the years into a national franchise business. However, as we can often find what she thought would be her dream business – ended up not actually being so. Now, Tina is a coach helping other women package up their expertise into online courses, speaking, content, podcasting, and basically credibility. She has a small but mighty team herself, And she's basically showing us how bigger doesn't necessarily mean happier or better. We recorded this episode on the launch day of Tina's new book, which was such a pleasure. Her book is called One Life, How to Have the Life of Your Dreams. You can go ahead and get your hands on that one at tinatower.com. And just quickly, if you haven't already, do make sure you also hop over to emilyosman.com to check out my free online Instagram masterclass class where I'm going to be teaching you how you can book more of your ideal clients without having to have thousands of followers. So go over to emilyosman.com and check that free training out. Now, without further ado, let's bring Tina onto the show. Tina, a big welcome to you to the Emily Osmond show. I'm so excited to chat with you today. Would you start off with a little bit of an introduction to yourself? Of
1: course. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here as well. Your podcast is one that I've been watching and listening to and going, yay, <laughs> now I get to be on here. So this is
0: really cool. Okay. So who am I? I know it's like a big question, isn't it? To try. It really and is. Yeah. Like who are you? Um, I guess I'm a business person.
1: I've been in business since I was 20. I absolutely Love it. Um, and my job now consists of helping mainly women to package their expertise and their thought leadership into online courses and a speaking career, podcasting, the whole personal branding uh Thing. through my business journey. I've done lots and lots of different things and most recently just become an author.
0: Woo-hoo. And I'm like totally honored to speak with you today because today is the launch day. Today is launch day. Yeah, it's an exciting day. <laughs> Congratulations. Let's actually start on the book. Tell us the title. I know it's One Life, How to Create the Life of Your Dreams. Is that right? Yes, that's yeah. it.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, it's very businessy. I think if you're not in business, <laughs> it won't be as relevant um, but it's mainly a personal development book uh, because that's what I love I fell in love with personal development when I was a teenager and you know that whole notion that you can just dream up this life and just create it is a lot of people when they find personal development later in life are kind of like really really <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, but to me I've always been like you know this is totally possible and you know I have a lot of people say how do you actually have the life that you have because I do have a wonderful life. I've I've got a beautiful marriage. I've been married for how long have I been married? Like 15 years, 16 (laughs) years. Um, I've got two great kids. We travel a lot. I've got a business I love. Like everything's really great. And a lot of people think, you know, in order to have one area, you can't have the other. And I just wanted to be a bit of an, an example in going, you know, you can have
0: all those things. It's actually very fitting. I just wrapped up being a guest on someone else's podcast and the last question they asked me was what's like kind of one message to share and I was like, well, my favorite quote or mantra is you can if you think you can, Yes, which is kind of the same, Yeah, I guess, underlined. Well, we're going to get a long Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and for those listening, this is the first time Tina and I have spoken, so yeah. it's it's great. We kind of get to learn about each other while we're yeah. while we're chatting and I love that and the message that you're sharing that like you can achieve anything. You've just got to believe it in yourself yourself. yourself first and know that you can have amazing things and life can be great in all those different areas. So that's really, really awesome. And Tina, we're here today. Like I said, you've got so much knowledge to share about business. And I was like, what on earth, which kind of area can we tap into? But I thought it'd be really interesting to hear about scaling. I said to you just before we started recording that a lot of the women that I work with, And I know a lot of the listeners tend to be in the kind of the sole trader category or starting to build out their business. So I think it'd be really valuable to hear your tips and advice and your own experiences, how we can basically make sure we're spending our time on the most important things, where we start when it comes to building a team out and how we can scale a business and maybe some of the pitfalls that you might have experienced yourself. Yeah, yeah. Lots of them. Okay.
1: So that's like 50 questions. I know.
0: Don't worry. I've got, a, I've got a starting one for you. I'll be nice. I'll be nice. So I thought it would be good to start with a little bit of your own business experience. You you built a national franchise, which is just amazing. But I was reading that it didn't exactly pan out to be the business of your dreams. So maybe if we could do a little journey back into um into what it looked like for you starting in the business world yeah. and, and then how you scaled and, and some lessons learned there. Yeah,
1: sure. So um, I started young. So I was 20 when I opened my first proper business. Business. So I was in my second year of uni studying primary teaching and wanted to start a tutoring centre just solely to pay my own way through uni. So I didn't have any kind of grand dreams when I started. It was really just a short term, this is going to be fun sort of thing. Did that and totally just fell head over heels in love. I was like, you know, if, as a teacher... I can work 10 times harder than the person in the room next door. I'm going to get paid the same amount. But in business, if I try really hard and do the right thing, like all the rewards are mine and I get to choose when to work and on what and how to do it, like I just, the freedom of it, I loved, totally loved, still love now totally unemployable like many self-employed people (laughs) yeah um and so that kind of grew from there so a pattern of my life has been to start something and then kind of get carried away right from the get-go I wanted to rent a space and I lived in Cronulla in South Sydney and and most of the office spaces were were quite large and so I got 120 square meters which for one person to tutor was just going to be too big so I was like okay I'm gonna have to make a whole tutoring center and then that can only be open in the afternoons after school which means I'm paying rent for all of this space in the day and having nothing and so we started an educational toy store there as well oh my um, and so that started growing and then about six months into it I did school holiday workshops where in the holidays people did like craft and science and all of these different things oh my and one gosh. of the mums said to me we really loved this. Do you do birthday parties? And I'm like, yeah, sure. (laughs) On the weekends we do parties. And she's like, how much are they? And I'm like, $200. And she booked that. And so then the party business took off. And so it ended up being seven days a week, which was, you know, full on. We had 17 Mm -hmm. staff and it was big to have at that age. And then, so I finished uni, no chance I was ever going into a classroom, loved what I did. (laughs) Um, Then I had a baby when I was 24. And so like a lot of mums, when we have our first children, you know, we think nothing's going to change. And in the beginning, nothing really did. I was very lucky in that, you know, I kept him with me in a bubba sling the whole time and I worked in a children's industry. So if he got hungry, I could just kind of Pull my top down, give him a bit of a feed, and on we went. But then he started moving and wanting attention. <laughs> he moved? And what? I know, That's so how dare right? Most parents are like, come on, come on, crawl. And I was like, oh no, <laughs> yeah. what am I going to do with the shop now? And so I hadn't really learned about scaling and about delegating and automation and systems and all of those things. Um, and so I closed the store part down, and through the tutoring center, we developed our own curriculum. And so I moved that to then work from home, become a solo entrepreneur and license the program that I'd created. And so we licensed that for a couple of years. And then that's what morphed into the franchise. So I then opened another tutoring center, but just as a sole tutoring center and learned my lesson, created all those systems, (laughs) created all this stuff. Because I think, you know, when I was young and starting out, there was a big part of me that wanted to. Prove myself and how I did that was kind of taking everything on myself and like I can do everything which is not a good attitude because it burns you out and you can't do all the things really well I mean we can but we probably shouldn't
0: <laughs> no way and I, I joke now it's like right what else can I outsource what else can I outsource yeah. and I, I was the same I, I guess I for a while there I was like well It was almost like pride in terms of, well, that's how I felt. Like I can do this all. I'm doing it all myself. And now I'm okay. And I'm totally at the other end of the spectrum. Like, let's see how little I can do and just do the stuff that I can make the biggest impact with and outsource the rest.
1: Which is a very different frame of mind to be
0: in. When you were at the stage of, I think one of the mums asked you, oh, do you do birthday parties? And then you were like, Oh, sure. I was pretty similar when I started my business in terms of I started doing social media, then someone, one of my clients was like, "Oh, do you do branding?" I'm like, "Sure." And I found a graphic designer and then we did branding, and then the next one, oh, do you do websites?" "Oh, yeah, cool. We can do websites." It's the way a lot of great businesses evolve. Totally. And then over the years, so I had I was going in that way for about 3 years, but then I realized, "Look, what am I trying to build? What is the thing I'm best at?" And I really then have pulled back to the social media and um, I guess the online marketing space and it sounds like that's what happened for you too but I wanted to ask like was it recognizing look we can be best in one area here or I don't know what did it look like for you in terms of narrowing the focus? Yeah so the main decision for that was one of my favorite sayings is
1: revenues for vanity profit is for sanity and it's very similar with the amount of staff and people and all of that sort of thing that we have so when I would meet people and they would say you know what do you do and I had 30 franchises and I was it's like, you know, I've got 30 franchises around the country and we started this from nothing. And like people would look at that and go, ooh, like it sounds impressive because mm-hmm. it's big. But from a profit point of view, now I have two staff. I work very, very little. I have very little pressure and I earn more than when I did at the top of my franchise company. Isn't that amazing? It's incredible. But too often we're driven to the different things for Not so much for ego, but Mm -hmm. because we think bigger is better. And so when we're going to scale, you just add more, add more people, add all of the different things. But sometimes it's worth recognising, well, actually, what's bringing me most joy? What's helping me make the biggest impact possible? And how can I scale it back so that it's just that because sometimes bigger actually erodes the profit doesn't multiply it because when you get there and and like you (laughs) said at the beginning you know my franchise system didn't pan out to be everything I wanted and so my goal was always to get to 100 centers but when I got to 30 I kind of stepped back from that and went if I three times this and that becomes my life (laughs) oh my god that's hell like i don't want to create that at all it was just so heavy and litigious and responsibility laden and and all of the things and it's okay sometimes to get to a point if you had a dream and get there and recognize this actually isn't what i want anymore and change our mind i think too often you know we've got this thing drilled into us of never quit Mm. never give up and and that's good because we need staying power But we can also get to the situation to go, you know what, this is no longer serving me and I can change my mind.
0: I think that's a danger, isn't it, that we're told in some ways like set your goals and you should like achieve your goals. But sometimes like I always said in the past, like the goals I didn't achieve, most of them were that I actually deep down didn't really want them. And so I say, it's totally okay if they change. So that's really, really cool. And it was kind of similar to me when I built up those first three years in business. And the next step was probably bringing on an account manager, or a project manager, taking on more clients and I was like just does not excite me yeah you go well do I want that and you could have done that with the
1: situation you were in you could have morphed into a full agency and had 30 staff but you go and I was
0: like it's like my worst nightmare yeah but for some people and that's just my personality exactly and for your situation I'm sure some people that would be their dream to run the franchise business yeah and I mean
1: I thought it was mine it wasn't until I actually got there and that dream became the reality that I was like oh this isn't as fun as I thought it would be like no longer could I. I just (laughs) change things and dance around. I know. I mean, I loved the sheer size. I loved the sheer impact. I mean, with us, Mm. we had thousands of children a week coming through our centres and that part I loved. But the people management, like when you've got a business that's that big, it's all about people management and it takes a really special sort of human to love people management
0: how did you get to kind of where you are now with your online businesses? Yeah. So exactly how you
1: just said before about morphing as we go. (laughs) Um, So it wasn't intentional at all. So when I sold my company, so that was in 2016. So it was a few years ago. Now I had a holiday in Nicaragua and you know, when you take a break and you have this beautiful holiday and it kind of gives you perspective on life and makes you question what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And I went, you know what, this isn't something I want to grow and do anymore. And so it wasn't a quick thing. Like it's months and months to kind of exit something like that but we put it up for sale and we had three offers straight away which was great mm. um, from larger companies that wanted to acquire us so I did that and then signed on to an earn out which means that I had to essentially stay with the company and hit certain KPIs to get the remaining balance of the payout figure so did that for a couple of years and then when we finished that I didn't know who I was anymore so like a lot of people to find myself by what I did and my business and I think because I've been doing it for such a long time I exited the business in February and then I went to my favorite conference in the world which is South by Southwest in Texas in March and I went there and this poor guy that was just in the line and he turned around and he was like hey Um, what do you do and I just had this total (laughs) moment and just started crying and I was like I don't I mean I was jet lagged I was tired but I was like I don't know what I do anymore because I literally feel like now that I've sold that business and I don't have it like who even am I what do I do what do I even like to do because in business we get stuck kind of we do all the things and then you get so good at it because you have to and then you go well what is my natural I don't know, anymore. So I thought, all right, I'm going to do some curious experimenting. So I opened like five different businesses. I started a jewellery line and a clothing company. The most random was I bought the uh, film rights to a book series that I love to try and make into a Hollywood feature film. (laughs) Oh, my (laughs) gosh. So I tried all these different things that I just thought, you know what, that sounds fun and I think that would use my skills and I'm going to give that a go. You know, I had a couple of friends at the time go, aren't you a little embarrassed? Like people be looking going, what on earth is she doing now? But I was like, you know what? I really just need to find what it is I want to do. And then I was still quite fragile. So the whole exiting the business, you know, it really, it mucked me about emotionally as well. And then my husband went away surfing for a few weeks. I'm giving you like the full story. Oh, I love it. And I'm
0: I'm thinking up some questions I want to ask after. So please keep going. Just cut me off. No, I love it.
1: (laughs) But my husband went away surfing for a couple of weeks and I had the kids to myself, which doesn't happen. So my husband had been a stay-at-home dad for the previous six years. So he was kind of the primary parent and, and I was the worker. So it was rare that I kind of got the kids to myself like all day, every day. And I realized when he... Gone, and then he came back, and then I missed them. And I was like, oh my God, like my kids are turning into these little men, and I'm missing so much. And we've always loved traveling, we go overseas, you know, two or three times a year. And so the day after he got back, I just went online and I bought tickets to go around the world. Oh my gosh. Yep. So we made the decision to sell our house, our cars, like all our things. And we left to go around the world for nine months. We went to 28 countries. But my business point to this story is when we left, I had a whole lot of people because of the business I built and then selling it to ask me if I could coach them because they either wanted to scale their businesses or exit and, and do those different things. So it's like, yeah, yeah, sure. So I didn't think of myself as like starting a coaching business, but yeah. just kind of helping people out while yeah, I was on the way. It just happened. And then, yeah. And then I thought, you know, these people are paying me a lot of money as a private coach but a lot of the things I'm repeating again and again with the same things so I got everything that I was repeating and because i would become quite a systems queen through franchising and then kind of made a system and a framework for it and put it in like an online course sort of format and so we had the group coaching and then private coaching but then if there was something that was in the group I was like look let's not take our time up to do this right now jump online do that bit and then we can do the specific stuff for you and then I had people going okay I love the way you've made the online course component. I want to add that to my service-based business too. Can you show me how to do it? So then I made an online course with how to make an online course. Awesome. <laughs> and so that just went off. And then I was having all of these women coming to me that are going, that are already running super successful service-based businesses, but going, you know, I've got this expertise that I want to be able to teach and share with other people. Yeah. Can you help me get that online? Um, and so now the way the business is, is we've kind of got, you know, the coaching elements in there um, and the strategy, but also we're producing people's podcasts and building their online course wow. sites and packaging the whole thing in kind of like a hybrid agency sort of yeah. way. And I freaking love it.
0: <laughs> I love
1: it. Um, so that's what I'm doing now and
0: that's how that progression kind of happened and that was only in the last couple of years is that right you took the year off went traveling in what was it back in April oh my gosh (laughs) that's amazing yeah Now, like I said, I had a couple of questions. So the first one was around, you said you kind of chose like five different business ideas and tested them out. What happened with them? Like, did you do one at a time? Did you be like, right, let's just start all of these. Oh my gosh. And I guess like none of them were the thing. How did you figure that out?
1: I do think, you know, you don't know until you try. So you can do all the market research and everything that you want, but you don't actually know how something's going to go until you're in deep. And so that's what I wanted to do. The jewellery company I ended up selling, so I ran it for a few months. It, it, you know, made money and I said, okay, I don't want to do this anymore. A lot of it was dealing with, with China and orders and that sort of thing. I'm like, yeah, I don't really like products and, and this. So no, I'm going to sell that. So I told a few people, I've done this. I don't want it anymore. Does anyone want to buy it? And someone said yes. So I was like, okay, great. The clothing company, I spent like $40,000 on setting it all up and doing all of that. And then the first like samples came back and back and forth. And I was trying to do it like consciously and environmentally friendly. Mm. I'm like, oh my God, this is a nightmare. And so all of those little bits and pieces were just like, no, this isn't the thing for me. Yeah. So it was really just kind of testing all of the different bits and going, do I like it? I'll keep it going. And if I didn't, I wasn't afraid to kind of exit that
0: really quickly. Yep. That's awesome. Now, the other thing that I think is such a great learning point, I guess you recognized in yourself that you have like a system or a process that you take your clients through. And that's also by the sounds of it, what you help them kind of develop. I recently ran a business retreat for some I ladies. Oh that. In- it looks yes. beautiful. Oh, thank you. And you've got one coming up, which is really I exciting. do in Palm Springs. I know, right? One of kind of the topics that we were talking about at the retreat was how they can take and how they really should be taking their knowledge and expertise or framework and basically turn that into their own system. And that's what their customers or clients come to them for. Yeah. And for them to be able to communicate, hey, you can't get this anywhere else. This is my unique system. So perhaps we could talk a little bit about that, maybe where the starting point would be or some tips or what you've seen work well for for the people that you work with, too, in terms of packaging up what they know.
1: Yeah, I mean, the hardest part is with everyone that has great expertise in that area. The hardest part is, is a lot of the time it comes naturally. Yes. So things that, you know, I'll say to people, okay, well, you need to do a lesson on this and a lesson on that. And people are like, what? Is that just not common sense? Yes. I'm like, no, because to you it is, but to someone else, like you don't understand and you want to be able to do that. And what I love with online learning is we've got access now. I mean, there's heaps of online courses that I do mm. and we've got access to so much great material for such a low cost that you can learn basically anything that you wanna be able to do. So to be a part of that and the communities that come with it and all of that sort of thing, like it's a beautiful thing to be part of. But I think for a lot of people, you know, gone are the days where if you wanna teach someone something, you have to meet with them one-on-one and Mm -hmm. repeat things over and over again and and kind of get depleted of that time energy. Now there's a way to do it that's so beautiful to go, all right, what do I know? Where do I wanna get people to? And kind of what is the quickest, easiest way to get people that promised transformation? Because in online learning, it's not like when you have, you know, an in-person conference or workshop where there's a lot Mm. of, you know, icebreakers and a bit of fluff around it and that sort of thing. Online learning is purely how can I get you from A to B (laughs) in the simplest, quickest way, which I love (laughs) that. So it's kind of like, you know, really short bites in distilling what it is you know, how to share that with somebody else and help them to achieve the thing that they're looking to achieve. So it's a win-win for everybody.
0: It is. And I love that. That's what I'm saying to them. Think about the A, think about the B and what is that transformation? So I love, I love that you've said that. Let's get into some of the scaling and the systemizing too. So we talked yeah, about what kind I'm of post to be talking no. about, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's no, but it's so important to hear like your own experience and how you like ran the national franchise business but you were like, hey, this isn't for me. Now you work, you've got a couple of staff members. It looks like you get to work from home and have time with your family. Like it's just, I think that's so important for people to hear that doesn't necessarily have to be big to be great. And then also around all of us should be looking at how we're systemizing our own, like what's up in our head, turning that into a system. So what would be looking at Perhaps those people that really don't have a whole lot of systems in place in their business yet, and they're feeling pretty time-stretched. Because I know that's probably a lot of people listening just feel like there's so much to get done. What would be the starting point that you can suggest they go in?
1: And it's a common thing. It's a chicken before an egg because people will say, "Well, I don't have time to create systems." But the reason you don't have time is because you have no systems. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's carving out time to be able to do that and the easiest way is to do it as you go so to not go Okay, I'm just going to spend a week systemizing everything, but to just do little bits and pieces as you go. So the easiest platform ever to build that on is a Google site. So Google sites is a free platform offered by Google. If you've got a Gmail account, you can start one of those. And what I do is I build all the categories underneath that, because if you're going to scale the business, step one is to create the systems to be able to do that, because then the business will, if you don't have the systems, gets too big and then you definitely like you're running around like a chook without a head because you can't hire anyone to do the different things because they don't know how to do it. And then you're getting staff and then they're not doing the right thing. You're like, oh, they just don't listen, but you're not giving enough framework for them to do the job properly. So it's working out what are the main categories in your business. So, you know, you've got your marketing, you've got finances, you've got admin, you've got all the different areas. And then one of the best things to do, but the biggest pain in the ass (laughs) that you can do is a time audit. So to go Monday to Sunday, I've got a template that I can put in your show notes if you like. Let's do that. Thank you. So you can follow. If anyone actually has the discipline to do it, you will hate me a little by the end. (laughs) But let me explain why it's a good thing to do. So you follow the time audit. You set an alarm on your phone to go off every half an hour, Mm. which will annoy you a lot. But then you just (laughs) write in that square what you're doing at that time. So then at the end, you can look at everything you did and then kind of work out a job matrix. So jot down Mm -hmm. on a spreadsheet every single task that you do in your business. So that has two things that it can then do for it. It can then let you look at that and go, okay, with all those tasks, am I the best person to be doing Mm -hmm. those or can someone else do them? And then if it's someone else, they're the things that you systemize first. So you go, okay, let's start at the top of the list and create a system for that so that when you hire a VA or an assistant or someone,
0: you've got instructions with how to do that. Could you just explain what a VA is? Because I'm sure there's some people that might not know. Yeah.
1: So a virtual assistant, so it's someone that you usually hire offshore, mostly, you know, the things that are repetitive tasks yeah. are great for VAs. So I'm, I'm always in kind of two minds about VAs. Sometimes the communication drives me crazy, but mm-hmm. there's some things that it's absolutely brilliant when you've got repetitive things going on. Um, so at the beginning of the business, you know, you said a lot of your listeners are solopreneurs. Yeah. And, you know, when people say at the beginning, outsource as much as you can. Sometimes I'm like, you know what, when you're that Time and money stretched you can't afford to pay other people. So you do have to do everything yourself. So what I would do is start off doing all the things because you can because you don't have that much business coming in. So do all the things and then as soon as you've got the business coming in, work out what do you want to outsource first Mm. and then start there and just go one thing at a time. Because if you can actually be delivering your service and working and getting you know, $100 an hour or $50 an hour even and you're paying a VA or even – an assistant that's sitting right next to you, yeah. maximum $30 an hour, it's going to be worth you doing the other things. Exactly.
0: And I agree with that approach too. It's so, it's so great. Like you can start them on an hour a month and then as, as they kind of learn, and then you realize, maybe I could outsource this, you can build it up. And also on, ha- on documenting the standard operating procedures and that type of thing. I love that idea of Google sites. So I have to check that out, but it also helps when, for instance, that, Virtual assistant or your marketing assistant leaves the the business. And they're not then taking with them all the knowledge in their head that you've told them and trained them on that you can actually bring someone else in. And I get a little bit worried when people say, oh my gosh, I couldn't operate my business without my amazing so-and-so. I'm like, oh, just make sure that you can. Yes, yeah, they yeah, might not totally. always be there. So um, that's another great reason.
1: Systems are good even if it's just you because yeah. because we do so many things. Like You'll notice that at the end of some days, you're just tired because you've thought so much. Like You've got decision fatigue. There's been so much in there. But a lot of the things that we do repetitive things in our business so like podcasting for example you know the whole podcast procedure you do the same thing every week but if you actually are following your checklist that's written on a google site system or any system that's there it's taking all that thought out of it you don't have to think what do i do next what am i supposed to be doing now like it's just tick and flick and so by doing that you're saving yourself so much brain power which then leaves your brain available to think of the more important bigger things
0: Perfect. So we've kind of looked at like a little bit of putting those like processes and and really systemizing the different elements of the business. When someone is ready to hire, do you have any tips around like the first person they should look at hiring and really on like how we can optimize our time and then make sure we're delegating the right stuff? Is there anything around that that you'd suggest?
1: Yeah, sure. I think most of the time in business, the best person to hire first is a bookkeeper because I see a lot of people not looking after their numbers as often so if you don't have a natural propensity to watch the numbers to keep a really tight cash flow and p&l and to do all of that get a bookkeeper to help you so that you can kind of at the end of every month look over everything and go is there something you're spending that you don't need to be spending or is everything performing how you want it to and what's working really well that you can increase and just keeping an eye on everything and how everything's going and then hire the people to do the things you don't love to do is the next thing so that's going to be different for everybody yeah with some people it's like they'll hire a marketing person first because they don't like doing all their their social media or whatever yes. it is that they're, they're supposed to do Um. some people love that area so keep that area so do the things that you love that are giving you joy mm. and also making you money and if they're not doing that then hire someone to do it
0: It's all right. And I have um, a client that I work with and I know that she, like technology is just not an area that she's a whiz bang at. And so she can waste so much time trying to create like some little documents in Canva or updating her website yeah. and I'm like right you are no longer allowed to log into those platforms <laughs> it's just wasting yes. so much of your time yeah. and so now and she's setting up a VA and for her she's like you know it is taking a while to get it set up but now she's like but now um, she's starting to be able to load off some of those tasks so it's, it's yeah, really totally. really good yeah
1: I mean I can use a really practical example yes, of that um, so recently one of the things that I uploaded was so from the podcast you know there's I know you're podcasting right now like it's, it's a big it's a big time commitment to do that but now all I do is I do the recording of the podcast and then that is the only part that I I do then they get it and do everything else with it so after I do the recording for that and they'll then get it. They'll put it all together. But then they'll get it and feed it into a program called otter.ai, mm, which cool. is the most amazing voice recognition software that's free. Um, and that gets the full transcription. And so well, then they put the transcription on that that there. let me just Then they get the transcription. Then they'll get the transcription and break it into a blog post to go on the blog. Then they do the headliner app things. Then they do the quotes, the social media posts, all of the different things from it. So from that one 60-minute effort from me mm. of recording – We've got like 15 pieces of content out there. Now, it used to take me like four or five hours, but because it's all systemized, now they do it in about two is that whole process. So it's a waste of my time to be doing that because I've done the bit that I needed to do all of my information is already there. The rest, they can do it really easily. And then it allows me to spend my time doing higher revenue grossing things.
0: Absolutely. Like you said, it could take you like five hours, but when you've got like the experts on the case, they can, I find they get it done way quicker. And like you said, it's such a, like it's such a better use of our time to do the things that only we can do and then spend a little bit of money on the areas that there's just no point in us doing. And same thing when I launch my podcast, I have friends that do everything themselves and they edit their own podcasts. And even though the podcast for me isn't making money directly, which is probably the same for you, it's not exactly like we're selling it, But I was like, you know, it's just such a better decision for me to not even learn how to edit the podcast. Let's just hire a professional from the get go because this is a marketing tool for me. And now I can focus my time similar to you on like what's going to actually make money in my business or what are the areas that only I can do. So it's really, really cool. At the stage you're at now, what are the areas that if you could give us a little bit of an insight for those that might have a VA now or, or they're looking at, right, what would be some good places to go and take scaling their business? Maybe those are at the next stage. Do you have any advice you could share around that, that you've learned yourself? Yeah. So, I mean, the first
1: thing with scaling is why do you want to scale? So scaling could be, you know, if you've been working on your own and you're like, okay, I feel tapped out here like there's literally not enough hours in the day for me to grow anymore so the only kind of two options that you've got is either to outsource some stuff Mm. to free you up time or if you've already done all of that and you're spending all your time doing like there's a lady I was talking to the other day that was actually spending 40 hours a week like delivering the service and then having to do all the rest of the running of the business in the off time too which is really stressful but she's going how can I grow past that So if you're kind of in that situation, it's either, okay, you've got to hire staff to then help you and start growing from there or change your model slightly, which is why I love online-based because you can do like that one-to-many instead of everything being the one-on-one. So it's looking at that. How can you deliver more for less time? How can you make a bigger impact for less time? What is the best path for you to scale? Because they're really your only options. And once you start adding humans – it's a big responsibility mm. you know, you've know, you then got the responsibility to pay their wage on time every week the super all of, it adds a whole other layer of, of things which i do love staff in the office so i like people with me a lot more than I like virtual assistants. Yeah. I just like having people around and I like being able to kind of yell over
0: the computer. Hey, can
1: you do this? Can you change
0: that? (laughs) You know, whenever I have a brain fart or something. Are Are you an extrovert or are you an introvert? I'm an extroverted introvert. Okay.
1: Um, so I can, I can kind of turn it on and be on and I really enjoy doing that, but then I need periods of solitude and rest yeah yeah cool <laughs> yeah yeah before our trip we used to live on a farm just north of Byron Bay because I used to love going into the city doing all my work doing yeah. all the things and then just reclusing to the yeah. farm for ages that's cool but I do love having people that we can work together and having that team environment when you've got a virtual assistant it's kind of task-based and it's yeah. really hard to get it's that more transactional team I think very. So I like that culture of having, you know, we're in this together and yep. we're, we're achieving that all, all together. But yeah, when it comes to scaling, like really question why, like some people have a really super healthy business. They're earning a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. They're not having any responsibility for other people. You know, once you start going in that scale, you've kind of got mm. to go big. So there's no point in doing it to just add one person. Once you make the decision mm. to scale, you're changing that whole dynamic and then you may as well get five. <laughs>
0: okay the same effort
1: so my my kind of limit there is six so i'll build our team mm-hmm. to six people and then stop i will not get bigger on that because that's when after that you then got to start kind of having layers so then having a manager to look after the other people and then uh, i don't like that sort of thing i want the little family we'll do as much as we can on six man people hours and then that's it
0: and can I ask, would you say they're full timers or not necessarily? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. But I wouldn't start with full timers. Yeah. So my marketing lady, she works two days a week. Yeah. Cool.
1: So that's perfect. And then when we get busier, it'll be three and four and five.
0: Yep. Yeah. That's awesome. Kind of scaling that as you go. <laughs> yeah. 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 Now, as we kind of work towards wrapping up, I wanted to just ask you as well, when people, because this is something else I see that people can get to the stage when they're super, super busy and I'm like, you need to put your prices up.
1: And yes. sometimes
0: that can help fix some of that too. Is that something that you see as well with your clients? Yeah, most definitely.
1: And I mean, my philosophy's always been, I would rather less clients paying more than more clients paying less so that's all a strategy-based thing as well is to go okay so do you want to charge i'll use my group coaching program yeah. as an example so we charge 4.99 a month for that so it's not super expensive but it's not super cheap either mm. so for that they get a monthly master class they get a monthly live q a and they get a whole bank of videos in every area of growing mm. a business so whether it be staff marketing all of that sort of stuff um so for that now i could offer that program for 97 dollars Mm-hmm. Then you'd have a whole heap of people in there that I wouldn't really know. Yeah. For 4 dollars it gives me the chance to know them. I can know their goals. Mm. I can keep them accountable. I know their partners' names, their kids' names, yes. like all of that sort of thing. Um, and I find when people are paying that a little bit more, they're a little bit more invested, which means they also want to get results to yeah. make that justifiable. Um, so you've got to think when you're too full, can you raise that? A little bit you know if you're building websites for example and your website package is three thousand dollars and you're totally chockers raise it to three and a half mm. no one will notice but it means that, you know, you're at least getting paid more, which will afford you to outsource some of that or to get some of that help in there. So if you're finding that you can't afford staff, the prices are out. Mm-hmm. That's You've right. you really got to raise that up because people sometimes forget that they should be being paid more than what a staff member would be
0: paid. I know. I remember looking back being like, holy crap, I'm paying my designer more than me on some of these yeah. jobs. We need to make some changes here. Yes. Yes, most definitely. So making
1: sure you price accordingly. And sometimes that's a confidence thing. And at the beginning, Absolutely. you know, you're gonna work cheap because you need to get runs on the board. You need to get that reputation and that's totally fine. You know, you're not gonna come out the gate at, you know, thousand dollars an hour for your services. But incrementally increase that. When you're yeah. getting busy, when you're needing to employ people, when you've got proof that you're actually beautiful value raise it, raise it, raise it, raise it.
0: And then as well, like for some people, cause I know it's scary. They're like, Oh, I might get rejected. Like it's actually okay. You want to be rejected by a few people totally. and it doesn't matter because your price is higher so that you might be able to like take on one client for the same like profit as to when you used to take on two or three. So yeah. Yeah.
1: And less people is easy. And you often find that the more money people are paying the the better quality mm. clients they
0: are too. Yeah. Thank you for sharing all of this. Yeah, absolute pleasure. First of all, tell us about where we can find you and your book. And then I'll ask my last question after that. Yeah. Um, and so can by the way, just- can I just say you've got the best name. So please share <laughs> with everyone because I'm like, this lady sounds like a celebrity.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a bit like a newsreader name. Um, so Tina Tower. And you can find me at tinatower.com. has everything on there. You can get the book on there. But it's also at you know Booktopia, Amazon, all the bookstores, all of that sort of thing. So yeah, pretty easy to find.
0: And I should say, actually, we're recording this on launch day, but it will come out a couple of weeks later. So the book will well and truly be available. And I can't wait to get my hands on it as well so I can take a good read. And then finally, what would be one thing looking back at your pre business self or in your early days like, what would be one just one thing that you would go back and wish you knew or best piece of advice that you've received? Put you on the spot there? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I think that it's all going to be okay for me. I mean, you've probably gathered
1: this through our talk but I'm quite systems orientated (laughs) a bit of a time ninja Um, and when things didn't go to plan they used to really it used to throw me quite a bit because I was like okay this isn't going to plan this wasn't right oh my god what am I gonna do now and every time the plan has kind of gone to shit it's worked out really really well so I just wish I had that level of comfort in being more agile and going with the flow and knowing that
0: we're all gonna end up okay This is a good lesson to learn oh tina thank you so much for making time to chat with me and um i'm so excited to read your book and to um to chat again soon so thank you for being on the show thanks emily